Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at Coastline Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. today. You are good. You are in the Christmas spirit. Yes, some of you are. Well, I just want to let you know, it's two weeks until Christmas Eve. Two weeks, right? Does that make your heart beat a little bit quicker? It kind of does for me. I'm so excited to see 4,000 people in this building. Like, how incredible. Hey, isn't that so incredible? Someone's going to meet Jesus. I'm, I'm so excited about it. So as Pastor Carrie said, my name's Laura. I serve as the Next Steps pastor here at the Victoria campus. I have three little ones, and my husband James, he's on the front row. He is amazing, and you will often see him playing keys or leading worship here. And we love this house so much. My first Sunday here was in 2005. Some of you weren't even born then. And I was sitting way up there in the balcony, right over there. That's where I sat. And I just remember coming in and feeling there's something about this place. And 19 years later, I am still here. And it's just been such a privilege. It's been such a privilege to see God move in just such incredible ways. And thank you for being my church family, for helping raise me through my young adulthood into getting married and becoming a mom and for teaching me how to pray and read the Bible. Thank you, church. It is Church is a family. I will say that over and over again. And if you are not connected, do the things. They work. Go into a small group. Do grow track. Do freedom in the new year. Get connected here. God has a purpose and plan for you. So, and you know what? We have the best pastors ever. Do we not have the best pastors? Pastor... Pastor Andy is at the West Shore. Pastor Lisa is here. They are incredible. Not only are they incredible leaders, they lead with such integrity. They really love you. They don't just like you. They really, really love you. They pray for you. They are just amazing leaders as they lead the staff. And I honestly would be lost without them. So I'm so thankful for them and their input in my life. They are the real deal. So last week, Pastor Andy started this series on light and easy, and he challenged us to let go of stuff, to throw out things, to donate things, to buy less and give more so we can enter this Christmas season light and easy. And I don't know about you, but me and my husband were feeling pretty convicted after hearing last week's sermon, but it was so good. Like, how incredible is it that we can enter into the Christmas season hearing that message and just letting go of the stuff that holds us down? So if you missed it and make sure you catch up on it. So I'm going to be continuing the series. So let's look at the scripture that we've been looking at. So it's Matthew 11, 8, 11 verses 28 to 30, and it'll come up on the screen behind me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. So here Jesus is giving an invitation to people to trust him personally. You know, at the time that he was saying this, the nation of Israel was oppressed. It was not only oppressed by the Roman Empire, but it was also oppressed by the heavy burden of the religious legalism that the Pharisees brought on. And so when Jesus says yoke, when he's talking about this yoke, that is yoke is easy. He's not talking about egg yolks, just FYI, but it was a terminology from farming where a yoke would be a wooden beam that would link two animals together and together because they were linked together, they were able to carry the heavy load. But this term was used often as a metaphor um, where a rabbi of the day, a Pharisee, would have their yoke and their yoke was the way that they interpreted and applied the Torah, which are the first five books of the Bible. So the disciples of certain rabbis would say, oh, I follow his yoke. That's my teacher. I follow their yoke. And the yokes would often be very oppressive, very legalistic. Um, So when Jesus entered the scene, he changed the narrative. And out of his overwhelming authority, he starts to invite those who are tired, those who are weary, those who are worn out to come to him. He says, learn from me. Take on my yoke, my teaching. It's easy. It's not oppressive. It's actually freeing. And my burden is light. It's not going to weigh you down. And you will find rest for your souls. He was introducing a new way of living. And he is still introducing that way of living now. That invitation is valid to you right now. He says, come to me. So I don't know about you, but rest sounds pretty amazing right now, hey? But also maybe a little bit unattainable. We are in the thick of Christmas. I look at my calendar for the next week, and it's just like, there is something almost every single night. This is wild. We have full calendars. We have long to-do lists. We have kids' concerts going on. We have family outings. We have obligation after obligation. Rest sounds really far from us right now. There's a lot going on, and maybe some of it is good, like it's good stuff. But regardless, there could be a lot that is distracting us from that light or hindering us from that light and easy living that Jesus has for us. So let's pray now. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are our gentle teacher. We thank you, Jesus, that you speak today. And we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it is alive and active, Lord. And you have authority here, Jesus. So we just say, would you speak to your children tonight, today, Holy Spirit? Would you fill us, Holy Spirit, with your word and with your teaching? We love you so much. In your mighty name I pray, amen. So, does anyone get distracted here? Is anyone a distracted person? You can put your hand up. It's okay. You are not alone. There there are a few of us. I like to think of myself as an organized person, but I can be easily distracted. You know, like I said before, we have three kids, um, three little people with three little schedules, and life can be really full. We got soccer practices. We got swimming lessons. We got birthday parties. We got church ministry nights. And 
oftentimes we can get home in the late afternoon, we have to quickly eat dinner and then go right out the door. And I know lots of you can relate to that. Well, I remember telling my husband just like how hectic our mornings were. He works very early. He leaves the house before anyone is awake usually. And he's painting. He did all the daycare stuff and he did the exterior of the daycare. It looks awesome. And, um, but he was gone and I was like, I need your help. The mornings are just, we are struggling to get out the door. It is like when the mom and dad wake up in home alone and the alarm clock is off and the music goes on and they have to get to the airport. That is how I would feel every single day. So he was um, so gracious and he made this wonderful crock pot meal for us. And he got it all together the night before, put it in the fridge. And so all I had to do in the morning was turn it on. And then I wouldn't have to be one thing that I wouldn't have to worry about when I got home or think about. It's like we would have dinner ready. It's going to be okay. So I remember that morning, got up, got the kids ready, got myself ready, um, you know, get them to brush their teeth, like wrestle them to put their clothes on. My th- Well, not my older ones, my three-year-old. He's a wild one. And, you know, just do all the things in the morning. And maybe I was doing the Wordle of the day, or maybe I was, you know, scrolling Instagram a little bit, or checking my email, or going on Amazon or anything. But anyways, we got out the door, made it to school on time, get to work. And then I think it was during, like, Tuesday prayer or something, all of a sudden I had the worst feeling in the world. (gasps) I didn't put on the crock pot. I forgot. I think he actually even took it out of the fridge and put it in the machine. And all I literally had to do was press a button. And I was distracted by Wordle, friends. I did not do it. And oh my goodness, I had that awful feeling. I was distracted. And maybe someone else can relate to that feeling when you pick up your phone and you're like, I need to text my mom. Okay, I'm going to text my mom. But then you go on and you see, oh, I have a notification on Facebook. Oh, I'm going to check out this little article. Oh, I'm going to check my Facebook messages, which leads me to be like, someone suggested this outfit thing. Oh, maybe I'm going to go to Amazon and order this. Oh, I'm going to get this Christmas present too. Let me go to Instagram and... Oh, I'm going to start scrolling. Oh, look at that house. That looks so nice. Oh, let's check our DMs. Okay, now I'm on Pinterest pinning for the new year. All this about minimalism. Okay. And then you put your phone down. It's been 30 minutes. And you're like, what was I supposed to do? Does, does anyone else do that to you? You're supposed to text your mom, just a reminder. But I have that feeling too. I get distracted. So if you haven't guessed already, today I'll be talking about letting go of distractions. You know, when Pastor Andy gave me this topic, I was like, you want me to talk about letting go of distractions? Do you know how distracted I get? I can't even sit and watch a show without like wikipedia the actor and like all the other things that they've been in. And then I'm looking at the royal heritage of like the 1800s, a lineage, and that's just how I am. It's not good. But you know what? The Lord is teaching me too. So you're not alone. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself today. So let's dig in. The definition of distraction. It is a pulling apart, a separating, a drawing of the mind in different directions. So here's the bottom line, friends. We were not meant to live distracted. We were not meant to have our mind be pulled apart in different directions. God has a purpose and plan for your life. And I will say that until the day I die. Second Timothy 1.9. He has saved you and called you to a holy life. That's every one of us. We don't have time to be distracted. You are called by God. 
But you know who likes to keep us distracted, who likes to move us away from our calling, who likes to keep us off course, not present in the moment? The enemy. Every force in hell is trying to distract us, to pull apart our mind, to cause us to lose our focus. Because if the enemy can distract you, he can divide your heart. And if he can divide your heart, he can discourage your soul. And if he can discourage your soul, he can disengage your faith. You know, sometimes the devil doesn't need to destroy us because all he's got to do is distract us. And maybe you know that feeling. You've been distracted. You've had those late night scrolls or Netflix binges. Or maybe you're in a season where you're distracted by an unhealthy relationship. It's an icky feeling. And it's not what the Lord has for us. It's not that abundant life he talks about in John 10.10. And if you're convicted right now, my, my heart is that you're not condemned right now. The condemnation is from the enemy. The Holy Spirit convicts us. But he lifts us back up. He helps us. Jesus is here to help. You're not alone. Jesus loves you, and he is our gentle teacher. So let's learn from him today. The Holy Spirit wants to help us live undistracted. So let's dig into the word. Luke 10, verse 38 to 40. So as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So in this passage, Jesus is in the home of Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. And you know what? When I first read that story, my initial reaction is justice for Martha. Like, come on, Jesus. Do you know what it takes to have a group of like 13 men show up at your house, just invade your living room, and then like they start, maybe Peter's like, I'm kind of hungry. And like, you know, they, they, they have, they, they're hungry. They're there. They're messing up your pillows. You didn't have time to clean your bathroom. And then your sister, who's supposed to be healthy, Helping you is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha is like, come on, Jesus. And all the moms in the house say amen. <laughs> but I love the way the Lord responds. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So I just love this. Jesus didn't shrug Martha off. He cares for her. He acknowledged her anxiety. Her name, he said it twice, and that was significant because it expressed his love and concern for her. He says, I know how you're feeling, Martha, but then he gently rebuked her for being distracted, and he established what should be a priority. So the English Standard Version, it said, Mary has chosen the good portion. And you may have read that in your Bible in the Psalms where it talks about about the Lord being your portion, which means your inheritance, which means close fellowship with the Lord. That's what Mary chose. She chose the good portion, to be close to Jesus, to listen to him, to learn from him. And notice how Jesus didn't say, 
Mary was doing something bad. It was good. Like, thank goodness there are, or sorry, Martha wasn't doing something bad. It was good. Thank goodness there are Marthas in the world because we need to eat dinner on time. We need bills to be paid. We need gifts to be wrapped. Christmas Eve is in two weeks. Don't wait until Christmas Eve. Be a Martha a little bit and get those gifts wrapped. You know, Martha, she wasn't doing something bad or wrong. She wasn't. She was doing something good, but it wasn't best. And so often, the most difficult decisions that we have aren't between good and bad, but they're between good and best. What's best for me? Not what's good for me, what's best for me? Do I take this job that I'll have, it's a great opportunity, but I'll have to work late and then I'll miss family commitments? Do I marry this person who ticks off all the boxes, but they don't know Jesus? You know, even little decisions like, do I take a break from social media, even though I just want to post all the fun Christmassy things and see what everyone's doing, but I know it's not what God has for me in my season of spiritual growth. You know, God's given us free will. He really has. He has given us free will. So the choice is ours. How do we choose what is better? So number one, we need to diminish the distractions. 1 Corinthians 7.35 says, I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So how can we just cut distractions out of our life? I want to start with the number one thing. It's right here. Some of you may be holding it. I caught you. Caught you on your phone in church. (laughs) Just kidding. So our phones. They are the most distractor for many, many, many of us. I would say probably 90% of people in this room. And I think most of us can't just throw our cell phones away. We need them to live and, you know, do things and keep track of our family and all that stuff. But we can work hard to help them keep us less distracted. Pastor Andy has often said, are you using your smartphone or is it using you? Here's some scary facts, guys. Individuals check their phones an average of 58 times a day. You can look up how many times you pick up your phone. It is a scary number. Let me tell you that. I had to research, and I was frightened by the amount of times I just pick up my phone. Um, On average, people spend three hours and 15 minutes per day on their phone. That is average. And one in five people spend, I think it's four plus hours. So if you take that average across a lifetime, do you know what it works out to be? Nine years of your life. Nine years of your life with your face at a screen scrolling. That's almost a decade of time that is wasted on our phones. It is scary, I told you. So I have some quick tips. These are just some little tips. I'm no expert by no means. I am, I am a work in progress. So number one, don't start your day with your phone. And I know so many of us have an alarm clock. It is, it is my alarm clock. It's beside my bed. It's quiet so that it doesn't wake up the kids. But don't start your day on your phone. So don't pick up your phone and then go to the news. And you're going to feel more anxious when you start to learn about what's going on in the world. And that's how you're going to start your day. Or maybe you go to Instagram feed and you start comparing yourself to others and feeling bad about yourself. And it's like 629 in the morning. Or maybe you start checking your emails and you're just getting stressed about work and a meeting that you have. And you haven't even gotten out of bed. Your phone should not 
set your emotional equilibrium for the day. It should not. Our days are so much better when we start them with Jesus. Started by sitting in God's love, in his truth, in his peace, in his grace, in his hope. I 100% guarantee if you, when you wake up, turn off your alarm clock, leave your phone there, go to your living room and sit in God's word and truth and peace, your days are going to be way better. Your week will feel way better. You will feel way lighter. I guarantee it. And the second thing you can do is set timelet time limits on social media. So, you know, these are smartphones. They have you they they can help you. You can set a time limit for how much time you want to spend on Instagram or Facebook or even emails. You can have it where your apps are all frozen until like 9 a.m. or something like that. You you can use your phone like that. Go into your settings, set up some boundaries. And another thing you can do is just take breaks, like delete social media. This is a hard one for me because I love Instagram. I love connecting with others. I love home decor and being creative on it. But oh my goodness, the amount of times that I've just been sucked in and it's taken my soul away and it's just taken um, me away from my family. It's just has been horrible and detrimental to my well-being. It really has. It's my, I've seen times where it's like my phone is using me. So you can delete social media. I deleted Instagram this week and let me tell you how much lighter I feel, how much more at peace I feel, less anxious I feel, and I've just been um, more present with my family. It's been so great. So maybe your challenge for this Christmas season is just to delete an app. Maybe just start with one day on Sunday, on my Sabbath. I'm just going to delete Facebook and social media, and I'm not going to go on my phone for one day and check in how you feel. And you know, friends, there's many other distractions. This is one, you know, Netflix, Prime, Disney Plus, Crave, Apple TV, all of those things we can spend hours consuming. But let me leave you here. Don't let the big and the endless scroll steal your soul. They're black holes. It's not good for us. Hebrews 12 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter and pioneer of our faith. That is who we need to focus our attention on. So if these distractions are hindering you, throw them off. Throw them off. Think of what you could do with nine years of your life. You could write a book. You could get a PhD. You know, there's church planters that need to be trained. There's missionaries that need to go out on the mission field. Our island needs to be one for Jesus. Maybe it's even your kids growing up with a present parent. You know, I'm preaching to myself here. It's time we get serious about cutting distractions from our life. God has so much more for us. So number two is focus on the important. You know, the world says if we want to be successful, we got to do more, do all of the things. And you are probably feeling it this month. You're like, I'm going to make Christmas the most special ever for my family. So we are going to something every single day. But you know what? What matters is not doing more, but doing more of what matters. I'll say that again. What matters is not doing more, but doing more 
more of what matters. And sometimes you have to say no to the good to say yes to the best. Like Martha, she had the savior of the world in her living room and she was in the kitchen freaking out. (laughs) She had the savior of the world. She had to say no to the good to say yes to the best. So what do you need to say no to this season so you can say yes to the best for your soul? And sometimes we think, you know what? I can say yes to the best, but I'm going to say the best of everything. I'm going to do all. I can do it. I got this. I can multitask. But we were not created to multitask. And this is a hard thing for me because I'm like, yeah, that's what they always teach us. Women can multitask and men can't. They're like compartmentalized and all that stuff. But I got this. I can multitask. And you know what? This is something I struggle with a lot because I can get home from work and then I start cooking dinner and I have one AirPod in this seat and I have my hair in front of it and I'm like listening to a podcast or an audiobook and my kids are around and I'm kind of like half listening to them, making dinner, but listening to this book. And then my husband will get home from work and he'll ask me something and I'll be just like, oh yeah, yeah, He's like, you ha- you're listening to something. You're not fully present. There, there's, an, there's an AirPod in your ear. I'm like, no, what are you talking about? But yes, I have to take it out and just be fully present and stop multitasking because we were not created to multitask. God is omnipresent. We are not. We are not. We were created to stay in the moment, to be present with our eyes looking straight ahead and not get sidetracked. Proverbs 4, 25 to 27 says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So what path has God put you on? Keep walking in it. Keep enduring. Run that race with perseverance and don't get sidetracked. Imagine if your future self, imagine you're like 99 on your deathbed and you got the chance to time travel back to this year. What would you do differently? What would you tell your current self to do differently? Maybe it's like, I'm not going to scroll my phone while I'm talking to my spouse on the couch. I'm going to be fully present with them. Or maybe you're like, I'm just going to put away that to-do list and go for a walk in nature and talk to God. Or you know what? Maybe I'm going to skip the late night Netflix marathon so I can wake up early and spend time in God's presence. Or maybe I'm going to adjust my January schedule so I can start leading a small group because God called me to that years ago and I need to start it. What do you need to say no to to sit so you can say yes to God's best for you? So we choose God's best by diminishing the distractions, focusing on what's important, and number three, we need to listen to the voice of God. So Jesus said to Martha, only one thing is needed. And that's a listening to Jesus, his spirit-anointing, powerful, life-giving, hope-filled teaching. That is what is needed in our lives. God wants to speak to you. He loves to speak to his children. Isaiah 30, 21 says, 
and your ear shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, God wants to guide us. He wants to help us say yes to the best, but we need to make a choice here. And that choice is I'm not going to let the noise of the world distract me from the voice of God. Because sometimes God will shout. He will get the word to you. He will shout. But oftentimes, God will speak in a still, small voice, a whisper, the God whisper where you can hear it in your heart. You know, I once heard it explained as like being at a party and the bass is thumping, people are loud and eating, and, and someone comes right beside you and they whisper into your ear. You're not going to hear that person, right? You're going to hear everything. You can strain all you want, but you're not going to hear that person until you exit from the noise. So what do you need to silence this season so you can hear the God whisper? And maybe it's meaning getting up early to spend time in the Word, spend time in His presence. Maybe it's instead of on your commute to work, instead of putting on that usual podcast that is so funny, why don't you put some worship music on and talk to God and pray to Him? And, or maybe it's in the middle of your lunch hour, inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to you throughout the day. God wants to speak to His children and help us choose what is best for us. But we need to listen to him. And like Pastor Adam always says, listen to Jesus and do what he says. You know, years ago, it was a long time ago when our staff here could fit around a round table. We would have staff meetings. And um, I remember this one staff meeting, Pastor Ron, who was leading at the time, he got us all to pray for the person. I think it was the person on our left. And I remember Marita, who is here. She's our executive assistant. She's amazing, Runs helps run the church. Um, she prayed for me, and she was praying for my family. And I just felt the God whisper, and I just heard heard him as clear as day just say give Nana Rosa flowers on Friday and I was like okay that's kind of an odd thing so Nana Rosa is my Italian grandmother my Nona love her so much she passed away in 2017 she is with the Lord um, she was about four foot eight like very tiny but very feisty she loved to feed her family she would always say munja munja you're too skinny you need to eat and we would always have so much delicious pasta and she was just so wonderful worked so hard in the garden raised her kids and loved her grandkids so much. And I just love, loved her so much. So when I heard that whisper, I was like, yeah, of course I'll give her flowers on Friday. I love Nana Rose. I love to see her. I need to drop in. I haven't seen her in a while. And, you know, I'm a young adult in my early 20s, and my week is starting to look pretty full. I'm like, I got two things going on on Friday. I don't think I can fit anything else in. And so by Thursday night, I was like, you know what, God? I'll go on Saturday, okay? I'll go Saturday. I'll give her the flowers, but I'm going to go Saturday. I'm just too busy. I got too many things that I need to do on Friday. And so that night on Thursday, I had a dream. And in that dream, Nana Rosa died. And I was just like, no, I needed to give her the flowers. So when I woke up, I was like, okay, God, heard you loud and clear. I'll give her flowers today. I know it needs to be today. So I went to Thrifty's, got a big bouquet for her. And then I went to her house and I gave them to her. And I was like, Nana Rosa, I got some flowers for you. She was like, oh, thank 
cute. She was um, immigrated from Italy, but did not speak a lot of English. <laughs> so she was just like, thank you. And then took me to the kitchen. She grabbed a vase, put some water in it, put the flowers in it. And then she starts to tell me in her broken English that that day was her wedding anniversary. That day was her 60th wedding anniversary, and my grandfather died in 1979. I had no idea when her wedding anniversary was. I had no idea what year she got married, but you know who did? God did. He loved her so much. He wanted to bless a beautiful widow who gave so much for her family and tell her how much he loved her, that he's her provider, that he's the one who takes care of her and he just wanted to do something extravagant, like give her a big bouquet of flowers so he used her, her young adult granddaughter to go do that. How incredible is that? Just so incredible. It's just God is so good. But imagine if I let the distractions take hold of my life that day. Imagine if I just pushed it to the side and said, no, I'm going to do it Saturday. No, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it next month. Imagine that. But God was like, no, I want to use you to bless a widow on her 60th wedding anniversary because that's how good I am. So who does God want to use you to bless this season? He wants to speak to you this season. Who does he want you to give flowers to? Who does he want you to bless this Christmas? Give them a card. Give them a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a prophetic word that he's prompting you to share. What coworker is he putting on your heart to pray for and invite them to church? What family member who is maybe far, far from God, who he wants to use you to reach out to them and tell them that God loves them. God wants to speak to you, church. He wants to use us as his hands and feet to bless this city, to bless this island, and see his kingdom come. Amen. He's speaking. He is speaking. He is good. And let's not let the enemy win, right? The devil and every force of hell wants to pull apart our mind and distract us and take us off focus. But we need to fix our eyes on Jesus and listen to him. It's time, church, to live undistracted. This Christmas, let's have a new and simple focus. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus gave up everything. He gave up his heavenly throne, like Pastor Kerry said, to take throne in our heart, to enter this messy and broken world so he could be present with us. So can we diminish the distractions this season and be present with our God, with our King? Can we be present, put down our cell phones, be present with our family at Christmas dinner, even though it's hard and you just want to be on your phone or leave early? Can we be present with people? And can we listen for that still, small voice? Because he is speaking. He is speaking. So let's pray. Jesus, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, for being distracted for staring into a tiny screen when I should be staring into tiny eyes in front of me, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that you help us, Lord, and we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but we thank you for your grace, God. 
Help us live undistracted, Lord. Help us live focused on you, King Jesus. Lord, would you put someone on our heart even right now who we can bless, who we can share an encouraging word with. Jesus, we want to be your hands and feet. We want to reach this island for you. So would you speak, Jesus? We are listening. We lay down the distractions. May you be glorified in our lives, Jesus. We love you so much, and we are so thankful, Jesus, that you came down to earth for us. So God, help us, empower us to live present. We thank you, Jesus. In your name, amazing name we pray, amen.